Welcome to another message from Columbus First Assembly. Thanks for listening as we strive to learn and live the word and ways of God. Our hope is that you're encouraged by today's message. Today, I tell my friends, my family, the world, that the old Adam, the old Jimmy, the old Crystal is dead. I have been buried with Christ. My sin is gone. Nailed to the cross. And paid for. By the blood of my Savior. Of my Jesus. Today, I declare that by God's relentless, unfailing grace, I am forgiven. I am free. I am new. again. Thank you for that greeting, all two of you that said good morning to me. <laughs> this morning I'm going to talk to you for a little while under this, uh, this title, Washed, New Life in Christ, What Does the Bible Say About Water Baptism? And hopefully you grabbed a note sheet from the back table. I, uh, uh, the points, I think, are going to be helpful and important to you. With just a casual reading of the book of Acts, which is the story of the early church, it becomes very clear how important baptism was to the new church and the new believers. And I'm going to, I'm going to ask for a little bit of, 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 of help from you guys. I'm going to stop as I read these scriptures. And when I stop, I want you guys to read loudly or shout to me the word. Here's Acts chapter 2. This is the day of Pentecost. The, this is the very beginning of everything. Peter's preached his first sermon. And the people said to Peter, what must we do? Here's Peter's response. Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Those who believed what Peter said were and added to the church that day about 3,000 in all. In Acts chapter 8, a few months, few years have gone by now. Philip is up in Samaria speaking to the Samaritans. The Bible says this in Acts chapter 8, verse 12. The people believed Philip's message of good news concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. And as a result, many men and women were... Yes. Now, a little bit more time goes by. Saul is a persecutor of the church. He has an encounter with Jesus. 
so powerful it knocks him off a horse. It blinds him. He goes into prayer and fasting for three days trying to figure this out. And then God sends a man by the name of Ananias. Look what it says in Acts chapter 9. So Ananias went and found Saul. He laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road, has sent me that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was? Listen, the man's been fasting for three days. Don't you think they should have got him from food or something to drink? But as soon as he got up, from this encounter with Ananias, he went and was baptized. A few more years go by, and the Gentiles now hear the gospel for the first time from Peter. Peter speaks in Cornelius' house, Acts chapter 10, verses 46 through 48. Then Peter asks, can anyone object to their being baptized now that they have received the Holy Spirit just as we did? So he gave orders for them to be in the name of Jesus. Again, just a casual reading of the book of Acts, which is a story of the early years of the church. It becomes very clear how important water baptism was. People chose to become a follower of Jesus, and they were immediately baptized. And you know, I'm kind of one of these guys that tries to put myself in the story. On the day of Pentecost, 3,000 people were saved, and 3,000 people were water baptized. I wonder how long that took. I wonder where they found enough water to baptize 3,000 people, but that is exactly what they did. I wanted you to hear a personal story this morning, so I've asked one of our members, Bill Cummings, to come and share his story, with, which led up to him being water baptized. And I'm going to grab this mic down here. As Bill comes up. Hello, my friend. I'll let you have that. Here comes my chair. Bill shared with me his story a few years ago, and I found it a little bit compelling because of some of the circumstances that are a part of it. So I thought I'd bring Bill down and ask him a few questions. And now, Here's a question that many of you might want to ask Bill, but being as gracious as all of you are, and as I was, I never asked him for a long time, but, you know, Bill, um, you're, we can all tell very easily that you're in a wheelchair. What has happened? Why are you in a wheelchair? Well, when I was uh, two years old, back in 1954, uh, I contacted uh, polio, and so... It was going around at that time, and my mom told me all through the years that I came down with this about two weeks before the salt vaccine came out. So, so it was that close. So that's that's uh, what happened. So, for those of you who may have wondered, Bill got polio, and now you weren't in a wheelchair immediately. It slowly but surely took away your ability to walk, right? Right. I, uh, as, a, as a small kid there, I had pictures of me using crutches at that time, and I had crutches and a brace uh, from that time on and stuff. And so uh, I, I usually use the wheelchair now only for uh, going distances and stuff, but I still use crutches there to, to get around. All right. 
Okay, so your story. Um, you told me when you shared with me your story, and even when you shared it with me this week when I asked you about this, that you used to attend church, um, and you were an adult at this time, but you could not see the need for water baptism. Why? Well, I, I seen the need to have my kids in church. I wasn't saved at the time, so we, uh, we attended church uh, close to where my wife grew up and stuff, and so, so, uh, I was being convicted for, I don't know, two, three, four months, something like that, uh, by the Lord, and I knew, I knew I should accept him as, as Lord, but I couldn't get past the physicalness of being baptized. I said, how, how can you be a spiritual and accept the Lord spiritually there and stuff there and then, and then he makes me want to do something physical which I always thought uh, always tried to look there you know I always tried to do stuff physical but it was it was a requirement being made on me there and stuff and I didn't I didn't see how, how come I had to do that okay so you're in church but as you said you're, n you're not saved yet but this water baptism thing just didn't make any sense to you well Something changed. What changed? What happened? Uh, one Sunday night there, I went up and uh, gave my life to the Lord. And, I mean, it was almost instant. The first thing that I wanted to do was be baptized. And, I, and the only thing I can think of is that it was the obedience uh -huh. to, to what God was saying and in his word. All right, well, we're going to have you tell us a little bit about the day you were baptized. And we got some pictures. Would you put the first one up there, Bill, and tell us a little bit about what this is. Well, this is after, uh, after service on Sunday there. The church is only about a mile from Sand Creek here. And we would park along the road or, or uh, whatever. And so this was after I had to slide down the <laughs> creek bank. And and so which is which is easier than sliding back up. Go to the next picture. It's a little closer <laughs> picture, Bill. There you go. There's Bill. But, so so, so y this road is up there a little ways. So this creek yeah. bank. Yeah. You you. <laughs> yeah. I well, I went past. Uh, I drive past the, this uh, bridge every day, and you can look down and see uh, see the spot where I was baptized and stuff. And and in fact, uh, the church still does baptisms there and it was only a few weeks ago there we went through there and they had a baptism going on so so I made it down and and uh, normally I, I tried not to get my braces and shoes wet but <laughs> in this in this case there I, I I was able to walk out go ahead to the next picture looks like um, you're either being taken down or being brought up under the water and you are surrounded yeah, I told I told them I didn't want I didn't want to drown out there and stuff. So they so they had they had several people there to, to make sure that they was able to get me back up. So the interesting thing about Bill's testimony is he would have every excuse not to go through being water baptized. He's got to go down a creek bank with crutches and braces. 
He's got to get into water with his braces and shoes getting wet. He can't go down in the water, and if he, somebody slipped and dropped him, he's not getting back up easily. He would have had every reason not to get water baptized right after he got saved. The very first thing he wanted to do was be baptized. Be baptized. I think that's an incredible story, and I just, I just wanted you to hear from someone here in this church what it was like for them to be water baptized. Would you give it up for Bill? We're going to look at some scripture today, and the first passage I want you to go to is Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. Um, the church had been going on for a few months, and persecution hit Jerusalem. At this point, the church was primarily focused in Jerusalem. It was primarily focused to only Jewish uh, believers, so they, were, they, they accepted Jesus as their Messiah. And things were going very well, but then persecution hit Jerusalem, and the Bible says that when the persecution hit, they were scattered meaning the believers were scattered. The apostles stayed, but the believers were scattered. One of the individuals that was scattered is Philip. Philip was uh, an early believer, and he was one of the first deacons. He goes to a place called Samaria, which is north of Jerusalem. It's a place where a mixed breed, half Jews, half uh, Assyrians, they were called Samaritans. They weren't full-blown Jews. And so there was some racial issues going on there because of birth. And so he goes there and he begins to preach about Jesus Christ. And God shows up in a very powerful way. People are getting saved. People are getting water baptized. People are getting filled with the Spirit. There are miracles of healing. There is a powerful move of God in Samaria. And the city is just rejoicing. Peter and John come down from Jerusalem and pray for people to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. There is joy in that city. And then something happens, which is really interesting. Starting in verse 26, it says, As for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, Go south, down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. Now, there's a revival going on. I'm sure he would have wanted to stay put, but the Holy Spirit had something else in mind. So he says, go down this road. So he started out and he met the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candique, the queen of Ethiopia. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship and now he was returning. Seated in his carriage, he was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. He must have been incredibly wealthy because he had a scroll of Isaiah, a handwritten scroll of Isaiah. There were very few of these that were in the hands of others. Um, they were usually restricted to just in the synagogue, and they were very expensive to purchase. But he had one, so he's in his chariot or his carriage, um, and he is reading from the book of Isaiah or from the prophet Isaiah. And the Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk along be beside the carriage. So Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah, and Philip asked, Do you understand what you're reading? And the man replied, How can I unless someone instructs me? And he urged Philip to come up into the carriage and sit with him. The passage of Scripture he had been reading was this, He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, 
And as a lamb is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. And the eunuch asked Philip, tell me, was the prophet speaking about himself or someone else? So beginning with this same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. As they rode along, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? You can, Philip answered, if you believe with all of your heart. And the eunuch replied, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He ordered the chariot to stop, and they went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of God snatched Philip away, and the eunuch never saw him again and went on his way rejoicing. Meanwhile, Philip found himself farther north in the town of Azotus, and he preached the good news there and in every town along the way until he came to Caesarea. Philip leaves this revival and meets a man who is going back to Ethiopia. He shares with him the truth of Jesus Christ being the Messiah. And what does the Ethiopian ask immediately? There's water. What's to keep me from being baptized? Philip said, nothing. If you believe, and they went down into the water, and they baptized him. I'm going to skip the Acts passage this, this week. I'll probably refer to it again next week, just so that we can move on to some points. Once again, as I shared in the opening part, we have an individual here who is saved, believes in Jesus, and immediately is water baptized. So I want to answer a few questions this morning with the time that I have left about water baptism. So grab your notes. If you have a note sheet, let's, let, let's just go. What is water baptism? Point one, what is water baptism? Water baptism is a public demonstration of a new association or identification. A lot of words in there. Three are important. Public, it's a public demonstration of a new association or identification. When the Ethiopian chose to walk down in that water, chose to be taken down under the water, chose to be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, he is saying, I am now associating myself with a new God. I am now associating myself with a new Lord. His name is Jesus. And he declared it publicly. He wouldn't have been traveling alone. He wouldn't have been driving his own chariot. He was very wealthy. There were drivers, there were probably attendants, there were other people that were walking there. They all stopped along the road, and they watched this man walk down into the water and say, before you all, and before Philip, of course, who did the baptizing, I am choosing to associate myself with Jesus, to identify myself with the Messiah, Jesus the Lord. What is water baptism? Baptism is a public demonstration of a new association or identification. When you are baptized, you are publicly declaring what has already taken place in your heart. You have chosen to follow Jesus. Now you're associating and identifying yourself with Jesus Christ as his follower. So 
That's what water baptism is. Second question, and if you notice, there's going to be a who, what, when, and those kind of things. Uh, that goes back to some of my uh, media background, but I do think it, it answers a lot of questions. So who should be water baptized? Who should be water baptized? Only believers. Only believers. The Bible teaches believers' baptism. You are baptized after you personally repent of your sins and ask Jesus into your heart. You are not baptized because your parents think it's a good idea or your older sister is being baptized or your grandma is visiting and you want to please her or any of the other reasons. From day one in Christianity, people repented of their sins and then they were baptized. On the day of Pentecost, when people were convicted by Peter's preaching and asked what they should do, Peter said, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. The Bible always shows this pattern, repent and be baptized. Now, you may have grown up in a, a, a more mainline church, a church that baptized infants. I was also. And there are plenty of examples in the scripture of infant and child dedication. Jesus himself was dedicated in the temple. But dedication of a child is an act of the parents. It is not an act of the individual. An infant or a little child cannot repent, has no reason to repent. And I've had parents say to me over my course as a, as a minister uh, who are coming from more mainline backgrounds, but, uh, and they were part of our church and they had a child, but if, but, if, but if my baby's not baptized, they can't get into heaven. That is false. Infants and little children are safe in the love of Jesus. They do not need to be water baptized. Baptism does not make it possible for you to get into heaven. As I stated, I was baptized as an infant by my parents. According to the traditions of the Roman Catholic Church, that's how I grew up. That is how they grew up. That's how I was raised. They did what they were taught, and they did a good thing. But after I personally received Jesus Christ in my early 20s, when I personally received Jesus Christ as my personal Savior and Lord, this topic of baptism actually came up, and I thought to myself, I don't need to be baptized because I was baptized as an infant. We had the certificate that showed I was baptized as an infant. My parents told me I was baptized as an infant. I didn't remember it, but they told me that, so there was no reason for me to be baptized, I thought. But I was going to a church, and the pastor did a message about water baptism, and the more that he taught on the subject, the more I realized that what my parents did was not biblical baptism. It was a christening. It was a dedication. And so I made the choice to be baptized on a Sunday night at First Baptist Church in Monroe, Michigan. We had a baptistry similar to this. I walked up and I walked down into the water. My pastor was there. He had visited with me as well as the board of deacons, uh, and they asked me some questions about my personal experience with Jesus. I passed the exam with flying colors, or I think I passed it with flying colors because they baptized me, and I was put under the water. Now, I, I will say this. Before I was baptized that Sunday evening, I went home to my parents, and I told them what I was planning on doing because, you see, I was 
associating not only myself with Jesus Christ, but I was disassociating myself with the Roman Catholic Church. Because in Roman Catholic theology, at that time, I don't know if it's changed, if you are baptized again in some other group, some other Protestant group, basically that means you're excommunicated from the Roman Church. I told my parents that, and it was, it was a struggle for them because while they had become born again, they still struggled with the fact that I was leaving the Catholic faith. Maybe they hoped that I would come back. I hadn't been attending uh, masses for quite a while. But that's the power of baptism. Sherry grew up in Latin America, and her family, her mom and her dad were missionaries. Latin America is a very Catholic country. And one of the defining things that happens when a Latin American chooses Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, chooses to affiliate, when they are water baptized, it's a big deal. In other cultures, especially some of the cultures in the Middle East and the East, when you accept Jesus Christ and you are water baptized, you are saying, Islam is not for me, or Hinduism is not for me. And you can be ostracized from your family. You can be pushed out and pushed aside, and it happens quite often. It would even happen sometimes in Latin America where families would have nothing to do with someone who chose to associate and identify through water baptism. What is water baptism? Water baptism is a public demonstration of a new association or identification. Who should be water baptized? Only believers because the Bible teaches believers baptism. Little children do not need to be baptized. When they are old enough to open their heart to Jesus and understand what that means, they are then old enough to be water baptized. So then, when should I be baptized? Number three, when should I be baptized? Baptism takes place after salvation. Baptism takes place after salvation. Not after a new member's or a new believer's class. It doesn't take place after you're 12 or 18 or 30. Baptism doesn't take place after you've quit smoking or that you've gotten your mouth cleaned up. Baptism doesn't take place after you've broken your addiction to painkillers or alcohol or porn. Baptism doesn't take place after you say, I'm going to live for a while to prove to God that I'm okay to be baptized. No, baptism takes place after salvation and as close as possible. When did the Ethiopian get baptized? After he got his mouth worked up or cleaned up? After he had rejected and thrown away all the idols that he had in Ethiopia? After he had um, proved to God that he really did believe in this Jesus person. As soon as he opened his heart to Jesus, there's water. What's to keep me from being baptized? Absolutely nothing. Very often, we think that we need to wait a period of time. And certainly, we don't have baptisms on a weekly basis. I'll tell you what, if there were people that were coming to the Lord Jesus Christ and wanted to be baptized the next Sunday, we'd be filling up the baptistry far more often. Well, we usually have baptisms two, three times a year. I'd like to have it more often. But don't get it in your mind. Don't get it in your heart that as soon as your life is better, as soon as your mouth is cleared up, as soon as your addictions are gone, then you're ready to be baptized. Baptism is not that. It is one of the first things you do. Bill, I love Bill's story. He was in church not because he really wanted Jesus. He was in church because he wanted the kids in church. But then he heard the good news. 
And then he met Jesus on a Sunday night. And as quickly as they could after that, he slid down that bank. He got his braces wet. He got his shoes wet. He got himself all wet. He had five other men to help him get down under the water and to get back up again because he was going to be baptized. I don't know if you had a mouth that needed to be cleaned up, Bill. I don't know anything of that. It uh, really doesn't matter. You were following the biblical example. So when should I be baptized? It always takes place after salvation. Number four, how should I be baptized? The biblical mode of baptism is immersion. Baptizo is the Greek word, and the Greek just means to wash, to dip, to immerse, to plunge under, or to submerge. And this is how our baptisms take place, and this is how baptisms took place in the days after Jesus. Now, I know here in the United States, maybe around the world, different denominations practice baptism in different ways. Some pour, some sprinkle. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you this. The biblical mode is immersion. I am less concerned about the style of baptism and more concerned about the when of baptism. If you were poured upon as a three-year-old child, honestly, you weren't baptized. You got wet. Baptism always takes place after salvation. And if you, as a follower of Jesus Christ, were going to a church and they practice baptism through a pouring of a pitcher of water over your head, or they use some other method. You had opened your heart to Jesus. You gave your heart to Jesus. You gave your life to Jesus. You are saved, and your pr church practiced baptism that was non-immersion baptism. As far as I'm concerned, this is me talking. As far as I'm concerned, you're water baptized. But if you're going to be water baptized here, you're going down. Because I like to model what the scripture says. There may be some that would disagree with me and say, no, no, if that's what you were, you need to be rebaptized, you need to be immersed fully under, that that baptism didn't count. Listen, I have been around some men and women, some incredible men and women of God, saved, spirit-filled, flowing in the gifts of the spirit, and their water baptism was by pouring. I'm not going to deny, because they got baptized after they believed. Number four, how should you be water baptized? The biblical mode is immersion. Number five, does water baptism save you? Does water baptism save you? The answer is no. I'm going to read two passages of Scripture quickly. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9 from the New International Version. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourself. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. You are saved by grace through faith. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Do you see baptism in there any place? Do you see water in there any place? It is believing in your heart or confessing with your mouth, or declaring with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, believing in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, for it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Does water baptism save you? No. Here's the second part of that. Water baptism is not a condition of salvation. It is a public declaration and profession of salvation. We call it, it is your public profession of faith. 
When we baptize here, it's going to be during a service. There are going to be people out in the audience. You and I or whoever is baptizing you are going to be up in the baptistry, and you're going to publicly associate and identify with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's not saving you. You got saved the moment you opened your heart to Jesus. But this is your public profession. This is your declaration and your proclamation of what has already taken place in your heart. And it should happen as quick as possible after you have opened your heart to Jesus. Now, here's one question. So if I can get into heaven without being water baptized, why should I bother? If Bill was going to go to heaven already, he had Jesus in his heart, why slide down a creek bank? Why get his braces wet? Why get his shoes wet? Why have five men have to help him to be water baptized? That's the question I'm going to answer next week. But even without answering this question, what have we seen the scripture teach us? That people repented of their sins, opened their hearts to Jesus, and they were baptized time after time, year after year. The passages that I read spanned a period of about 20 years from the day of Pentecost on to um, when Cornelius and his household were baptized and water baptism took place even after that. So question six is this. Do I need to be water baptized? Do I need to be water baptized? And I can't answer this. There's no blank that's going in there. In your notes, there's a blank. You need to answer this. So let me give you some criteria. Have you repented of your sins and opened your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ, yes or no? Have you repented of your sins and opened your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ, yes or no? If you answer that as no, then baptism is not what you need today. What you need is a relationship with Jesus. You need the forgiveness of your sins. You need to be on the repent side, and then the baptism comes later. You need this morning to confess that you're a sinner and in need of a Savior. Jesus loves you just the way you are. He also loves you so much that when he comes into your life, he will not let you stay the way you are. Please understand, God does not hate you. God's not trying to get back at you. If you're not one of his followers, he doesn't hate you. He's not trying to get back at you. He loves you more than you can imagine, and he wants you to receive his free gift. And as in just a few moments, you're going to have a chance to do that. So have you repented of your sins and opened your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ? If no, baptism's not for you. If yes, then I need to ask you another question today. If yes. Since you've opened your heart to Jesus, have you been water baptized? Since you've opened your heart to Jesus, have you been water baptized? Not as a child, not as an infant, not when grandma was visiting, not because you felt it was necessary to become a member of a church, since you have opened your heart and repented of your sins, because there's a lot of people that have gone through the, um, the steps 
of being baptized who actually had not become Christians yet, and all they got was wet. But if you've opened your heart to Jesus and have not been baptized, then in that space, you need to answer yes. If you've opened your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ and after the time you opened your heart to him, you were water baptized, whether it was here or elsewhere, but you were baptized after opening your heart, then in that space, you can write the word no. If you haven't repented of your sins yet, you also write the word no because you need Jesus as your Savior and as your Lord today. Would you bow with me? I just need to wind this down. Lord, you know the condition of each of our hearts. You know those who are here this morning who need to come to you or need to come back to you. Maybe people that are watching online. Lord, this morning, begin to convict, instruct, so that people can move to their next level of faith. In Jesus' name, I pray. If I can just have maybe just a couple of musicians, somebody on keys, maybe just somebody on guitars, that's all. We're not going to actually sing to close the service. I just would like some music in the background. If you are here this morning, and when I ask the question, or if you're online, and when I ask the question, have you repented of your sins? And you say, no, I haven't done that. Maybe at one time you did follow the Lord, but now you're in a season of your life where you've moved away, but you're coming back. You're what we call prodigals. That's what the Bible says. The son that was away. He was a prodigal. He was away from the father's house. If that is you today, in the name of Jesus, I would just encourage you to take the step and ask him to forgive you of your sins and to save you. Because baptism is not important to you. What is important to you is that you become a follower of Jesus. Bow your heads for just a moment. Father, if there is anybody here in the sanctuary, if there is anybody watching online that is not your follower right now, supernaturally, by the power of your spirit, move upon them. May they know May they feel so uncomfortable right now that they'll realize that they have not yet crossed that line of faith. Oh, they've been interested in Jesus. They've prayed to Jesus. But honestly, they have not chose to become a follower of Jesus by repenting of their sins, changing their mind regarding the way they need to go asking Jesus Christ to come into their hearts. If that was you this morning, I'm not going to ask you to identify yourself by raising your hand, but I am going to ask everybody here and you at home to pray out loud so that you can pray this prayer. If you have realized that today you need to repent, confess, and ask Jesus to forgive you, then would you repeat these words as a prayer while other people are praying around you just so that you don't pray alone. Everybody say, Dear Jesus, today I need you. I admit that I am a sinner 
and I need a Savior. I do not want to spend eternity apart from God. I want to spend eternity in heaven with Jesus. I confess that I am a sinner. I confess that I now, today, repent of my sin. And Lord Jesus, I ask for your free gift of the forgiveness of sins and eternal life. Thank you for hearing my prayer and answering it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you honestly prayed that prayer, you really were opening your heart to Jesus today. Guess what? You can now answer that last question. Yes, you need to be water baptized. Well, well, well wait a minute. When I was eight, doesn't matter. If this was the time that you gave your heart to Jesus, now you can answer that one yes. Next week, we're going to talk about if water baptism doesn't save you, why should we get water baptized? But for today, we're just going to leave it there. I've kept you a little longer. I knew we were going to spend a little extra time at communion today, so I was trying to squeeze it all in. Next week, we'll spend some more time talking about the subject of water baptism. You've been listening to a message from Columbus First Assembly. We hope that you've been encouraged in your spiritual journey. If you're not part of a local church and would like to attend one of our regular services, our church is located at the corner of 10th and Iowa Street in Columbus, Indiana. Our Sunday morning worship services start at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday evening studies begin at 7 p.m. And while you're online, check out our website at columbusfirstassembly.org for details and information about our church. You will also find other messages and series that you can listen to or download. Thanks for spending some time with us and for taking advantage of this resource from Columbus First Assembly, where we strive to learn and live the word and ways of God. 